Welcome to another Rioteers review, part of the Riot Act oeuvre. Uh, my name's Stephen Hill. His name is Renfrey Deadman. Hello. I had a little head rush then, Renfrey. Oh, that's exciting. Did, yeah. Well, it wasn't that nice, actually. I thought I was going to fall off my chair. <laughs> um, I think I might fall off my chair with excitement for oh. what we're about to do today. These links. Oh, so good. Yeah, links throw, links throw, links throw, dry fear. <laughs> As Till Lindemann would say. Um, Have you ever considered being on the radio, Steve? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no one else has, unfortunately. <laughs> one person did once, and then they, a year later, realised that they shouldn't have considered <laughs> that. Um, but I always consider it, yeah. Mm. I'd like to do the Top 40 chart show. Oh, you'd be so good at it. The new Dr. Fox. Sorry, that sounded really yeah. sarcastic. <laughs> Dr. Fox, I'm going to change my name to um, medical, Dr. Cox. Pro- medical Professional Stoat. <laughs> if only you had said that in the last episode we just recorded that would have been the episode title what yeah. a shame um <clears throat> hey man Hello. listening thanks for not you oh, thanks for um <laughs> giving us some money on uh, the patreon page which is presumably the way in which you're listening to this you've gone to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast hey if you're listening to it up. in uh, june 2019 that is how you're hearing it so thank you very much yeah we really appreciate that that's very very nice of you if you're not if you've waited bare time fam uh and it's like you know years down the line and 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 i've sadly passed away yeah i was gonna say i'm dead from no money because i've <laughs> i i'm a sheer mere speck of dust from malnutrition which is not gonna happen for a long time let's face it it'll be out before that oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry mate usually i um, make the fat jokes <laughs> yeah i had to um no fair and uh, yeah, it, uh, so so basically, uh, you know, it, it, you should have paid the money, really. Yeah, sort yourself out. Should have really yeah. paid them. Sort yourself out, It's only a quid, mate. I don't know what your problem is. Um, no, thank you though for uh, for contributing. If you have, if you haven't, I hope you're going to enjoy this uh, anyway. And um, we actually, the last one we did was a suggestion by Max Ellis, and Max has had another one of his picked this week as well we've double ellis we've double ellis i'm so sorry there are some people who have not had their picks talked about at all what can i say we have favorites <laughs> yeah we do um, we don't no we don't it's just the some great is, records. should we explain how yeah. this came about yeah, so we on. picked mark lanigan's bubblegum uh because it's a great record and we it thought is. that sounds like a good one to do and max hadn't had one done before and then i was like we should do another one soon and I said to Renfrey, here is a list of things that I could basically do off the top of my head without having to listen to the record again because it's, whenever you're listening to this, it's download week and I'm really, 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 really fucking busy. We've got a lot going on. And Renfrey Pick said, we can do Killing Joke, the self-titled Killing Joke album. And I went, what a great pick. And then I noticed it was Max's pick again. But Max basically picked about four or five albums that I sent to you. Uh, I think um, Betty by Helmet was another yeah, one. Yeah. Like, well, we could do Betty by Helmet, and he was like, "It's the same guy." Screaming so we'll trees, was screaming uh, trees, sweet oblivion, by screaming trees. Yeah, yeah. another one. Um, so he's just got exemplary taste in music. But we will delve further into the weirder points uh, and the things that we're not so familiar with. Basically, very, very soon when Steve busy. leaves the podcast, if you could come on as co-host, Max, that would be great. When I leave. <laughs> Go on. Uh, uh, anyway, so, but yes, Mac put Killing Joke, self-titled album. Now, uh, what we kind of discussed this uh, today, just before we started, is that Killing Joke have two 
self-titled albums. I have the Dave Grohl um, 2002 uh, album that yep. Dave Grohl drums on. Yep. And they have the debut album, the 1980 debut first Killing Joke album. We didn't have any specifics as to which one of those two records we should have picked. So I just went, we're having the first one. Because, spoiler alert... It's one of my favourite albums ever. If I was to put my top 50 favourite albums ever, Killing Joke's self-titled debut album would comfortably, comfortably make it with with space to spare hmm. in the top 50 albums of my life. I think it's fucking brilliant, this record. So I am always, as ever, delighted to talk about this record and delighted to talk about Killing Joke, who are a band that, as we've discussed on this podcast previously, I just fucking love yeah interesting to be doing it with you Rimfrey uh, again something else we've kind of discussed a little bit at one of the early shows that we did um, never really been much of a Killing Joke fan no not massively I think with the big albums being the early ones I mean it does come down predominantly to a production thing unfortunately production will come up in this conversation at some point um, and yeah I've never been a big fan fan of the 80s production and it's usually i've never been a massive this fan is of, almost 70s production almost yeah yeah i mean this did, it did come out 1980 come didn't 1980, it? yeah and um and i've never been a massive post-punk fan either i've never really got it um and there's a lot of post-punk records that i listen to and go i understand why that is so well regarded um but i just struggle to get behind it and th this is definitely one of those records but killing joker a band i've got an immense amount of respect for i've seen them a f number of times live i always enjoy them live i find jazz coleman an incredible presence mm. particularly i think actually the whole band are brilliant for various different reasons uh, i think they're unique um i we have done an album on trade-off that you gave me and it's the first time that i listened to a killing joke record and really enjoyed it as well yeah absolute and descent that's the one 10 was the record that i gave you and it did make me want to um check out a lot more killing joke stuff i've not actually managed to get around to doing that mm -hmm. but um i'm always happy to talk about killing joke because they feel like one of those bands that uh, one day i will get and i'm not i'm not there yet mm. but i feel like one day I will get it, but yeah, okay. I'd like to be convinced. So I'm happy to hear you talk about why this album's so brilliant. Really. Okay, well, let me pop myself into where I got into Killing Joke. So yeah. obviously, um, Killing Joke are hugely, hugely, in, and in, I said were, I was about to change the word, but are hugely influential to a lot of music that you and I love yeah, that's uh, un undoubtable uh, particularly the a school of 90s bands like you know nirvana fugazi um the red hot chili peppers when they were good um pearl jam i think uh yeah into the, the killing joke what about um, and kind of most sort of tellingly there are two songs on this well actually three songs that have been covered by bands i love on this record or bands that i like um helmet uh covered uh one of the songs on here the Foo Fighters covered one of the songs on here. And of course, very, very famously, Metallica covered one of the songs from this record as well. Mm -hmm. So this album is massively influential. Killing Joke were a band who um, I heard the name when I was first getting into rock music. I heard the name being thrown around a lot. In fact, when I first started getting into rock music, I believe Pandemonium mm. had recently come out. Yeah. 
That was 97? No, I think it was earlier than that. Was it? I think it was about 94. I was it 94? This is why you're here, Steve. Yeah. Cool. Don't quote me on that, though. Um, it feels like a long time ago. Yeah, yeah there are some yeah, things yeah. that... Anyway, yeah. So, it, but, it, but I do remember seeing um, Killing Joke's name being kind of thrown around particularly within the types of bands that i was interested at that time ministry is another big one and thrown around actually we should say not only have they influenced fucking loads of bands but the breadth of those bands like the they they are all very you know metallica which is metallica foo fighters helmet exactly i was about well i was about to say metallica and foo fighters are very different bands so um but yeah you can you can just you can see the the through line just about with all of them yes you definitely can um but despite all of this i didn't actually get around to listening to killing joke until much later now i'm not sure how much i've gone into this previously in the past but my kind of journey uh with music was when nirvana happened i got in a mindset where with the with apart from metallica the clash and the sex pistols and motorhead nothing that came out before nirvana was good (laughs) that was my my stance for a very long for a good kind of seven or eight years so i'd never poor mozart i know yeah yeah, (laughs) poor old bark uh stand by it and um yeah bark and the Bee Gees, just like what what's what's wrong with us Uh, and um why are you coming up with episode titles now that's so good sorry mate sorry maybe we could do it anyway and just put a little asterisk (laughs) um and again this will make sense in about nine months time (laughs) um yeah so i uh that's what i did and then you know as i sort of got out of music a bit and then when i came back to it uh, so I got out of rock music for a bit. I think I said it before. When I came back to it, um, the stuff that I started buying, I was like, maybe I should listen to Led Zeppelin more. Mm. Maybe I should listen to um, Megadeth and Iron Maiden. And maybe I should listen to, you know, the Stooges and blah, blah, blah. And as I went through all that, getting the entire ACDC back catalogue, I soon found myself being like, oh, all this stuff's fucking great. Mm. This I stuff. think that's quite a common rite of passage for many so. yeah. massive music fans. Yeah, I think because, I mean, particularly for our sort of age and our generation, yeah. Nirvana really did the kind of the Nirvana into corn, like new metal, you know, like the grunge into new metal really was like destroy everything. Well, yeah, like, the media certainly made it that. Um I think the thing that's always, I, I think it often gets misinterpreted as kind of like that that was these bands' um, goal, their mission statement mm. to actually do that. And the media turned it into this war against, um, you know, to, to be honest, getting rid of some absolutely abhorrent practices. Like, I mean, the, the kind of uh glam and yeah, yeah the excess and the the misogyny and all this kind of shit which luckily new metal brought back <laughs> well it kind, of, it kind of did yeah um it did yeah um but uh yeah there was definitely a sort of sense of changing of the guard and um yeah it was like you moving don't need things you on don't need, you don't need everything yeah. you'll ever yeah. need yeah. is yeah. been improved and it's here and you know you don't need all those albums anymore and even though the pixies and are, are, are really really influential to us it almost felt like well no we i don't need that i've got nirvana why would i need that and do you that, think everyone felt like that because i don't think everyone felt like that no but certainly a, a lot of people 
that surrounded me felt like that. Right. And I know that my my want was very much just uh, what new bands can I get? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I very rarely went, oh, I should... Oh, I hear there, you know, I, you know, it took me a lot. I was interested in Black Flag and the Misfits mm. and, mm. um, you know, but, but there weren't many bands. And like I say, I loved Motorhead and I loved The Clash and I loved The Sex Pistols. Um, but, you know, I, even Guns N' Roses, I was like, nah, that's, that's the past. That's happened. Mm. It's over. It's done. Mm. Um, and Metallica still felt like a kind of current band because they were so massive. Yes. Yes. So, you know, uh, even, even even slayer i was a little bit like i'm not sure Mm. so you know but 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 when it happened and i was suddenly like oh i've been really silly and i need you know every led zeppelin album i went into a music zone on london bridge music zone zone. i I didn't until just then yeah wow okay Mm. and i believe um uh killing jokes first six albums had been remastered in 2005 and i saw a review it was kind of the 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 lead review in kerrang um was a a, a, you know it's the reissues of killing joke and they reviewed you know and I, i believe quote me if i'm wrong but i believe it was paul brannigan who reviewed them hmm uh, who's obviously fantastic. Wonderful uh, man. One yeah. of the great writers of yep. Kerrang! magazine. Definitely. And um, Paul gave the first Killing Joke album 5Ks, which at that point was, you know, felt like a, it was quite rare. And um, I uh, I was like, oh, I must, I must remember to try and listen because I hear so much about this band and I should, you know, I should give them a go. And... I went into Music Zone that morning and it was the day that the reissues had come out. Killing Jokes reissues were there and they were five ninety nine room free. Oh, and this was a time when... On the day they came out? On the day they came out, five ninety nine Bonkers. So I bought, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to try it. And um, and this is a time where CD prices had gone down, but you rarely had something come out on the day that it came out yeah. that was five ninety nine. That's really rare. Yeah, really That's rare. That's awesome. Um, so I bought uh, the self-titled Killing Joke record and I got home... And I'd bought a few other things with it as well. I probably bought like a Billy Talent album with it as well. And it wasn't the first thing that I listened to. So Killing Joke was the second best record you bought? (laughs) No. Um, And uh, yeah, and so I didn't listen to it initially. I left it a couple of days and I was like, oh, I bought that Killing Joke record. As soon as I put it on, I went, I don't know if it's because even though, you know, I had... Not an aversion, but I was I was not particularly interested in um, some of the older stuff. Growing up listening and as a, as a very young child, listening to the Cure and Echo and the Bunnymen and and the Clash as well. Mm. You know, there's there's this album. You know, obviously the Clash uh, when this record came out uh, were not a quote unquote punk typical punk band. Anymore. No, this was not White Riot, um, and that wicked bass lines that the clash um yeah. used to have uh you know were I, that i, I recognize that i recognize lots of stuff like i said like the cure and joy division and things that i grew up hearing maybe not necessarily owning or going yeah. out of my way to listen to but yeah, that's that kind of 80s stuff and i was suddenly like oh yeah and, and I, I looked at the the time it came out and i was like 1980 mm. so this is you know 
Um, Sex Pistols split up in 1978 and they went, oh, punk's dead and yeah. But really the post-punk thing, I don't feel like that happened like straight away. It was 81, 82 when it really kind of... Um, but this is kind of... I guess this is the kind of the peak the peak year for it. This is like when a lot of those bands sort of... This sound started to formulate. Mm. When I think like Susie and the Banshees. I think Juju came out in 1980. I think it did, yeah. Was think, Pill around this time or was that a bit later? Would have been very, very close to being around this time. Obviously, <laughs> The Cure were around at this time. Um, and Joy Division, of course, mm-hmm. were around at this time Definitely. as well. Um so it did feel like that sort of sound was beginning to formulate and it was beginning to become a, become a thing. But it certainly, I don't feel like it was, I mean, you know, I wasn't born at the time, so I don't even know. I just was just born. So I can't say for definite, but it doesn't feel like a huge commercial boom happened right at this point. I mean, this album peaks in the UK album charts at number 39. And when you consider how influential this record has been, that is not a big hit. No, no. But then many, all. many of the most influential records aren't necessarily mm. massive hits. That's true. Can I just ask you what um, what you feel the, slight detour, but what you feel the characteristics of post-punk are? Because I've always found it a very difficult genre to define. And maybe Cold. that's because I... Oh, right. Okay. Cold, chrome, almost... In, there's, there's not a... Mm, yeah. It's kind of early industrial... I think of it. I mean, when you yeah. look at the sort of bands, again, the sort of bands that Killing Joke have influenced, when in, in some ways they've influenced Shellac, in some mm-hmm. ways they've influenced Ministry. Yep. You know, uh, it's part Fear Factory, it's part Fugazi. Um, Just looking at the Wikipedia entry, I mean, it's saying Nirvana, Foo Fighters, Tool, Soundgarden, Metallica, Marilyn Manson. Or, yeah, yeah. Or like, like, you know, ma- I mean, and, and you there know, isn't much of a through line with and, those bands, really. You know, they, I would argue those bands have nothing really to do, well, apart no. from Marilyn Manson, nothing to do with industrial or yeah. um, sort of post-hardcore, sort of post-punk. So I think, you know, um, post-punk to me is a st- strongly rhythm uh, rhythm mm. driven mm-hmm. driven by the rhythm section um uh it's quite it's very cold and almost mechanical i mean again from when you look at the bands that from where they came from this is thatcherite industrial early 80s britain this isn't this is after the kind of the youthful anger of that late 70s you know We've got not, you know, fucking four day working week, bin strikes, all that stuff. My, you know, my my mum in the seventies used to live on the King's Road in Chelsea in the seventies, and Fuck. she says she remembers the bin strikes where people were just throwing their rubbish yes. in the in the front of the street. And she, you know, she was living in Ken. She was living. She was a waitress, and she she had a, a flat in kensington i've been watching the the bbc have been throwing showing this thatcher documentary Mm. recently and uh it's fantastic whether you love her whether you hate her you know whatever it's just a fantastic document of that whole time which was just before i was alive so i kind of i'm aware that she's you know this extremely divisive figure Mm. but wasn't always and i knew a little bit about the minor strike and so on and so forth but finding out exactly why people either loved her or hated her there wasn't really a middle ground Mm. so do you think that political climate was absolutely essential to post-punk music? i do and i just think what how britain looked as well was 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 really um uh i mean this is after the war this is sort of the i guess the kind of post the the younger the young post-war generation that are growing up in a 
a concrete world almost like everything that had been rebuilt after the war is built out of concrete blocks you look at those buildings they're fucking yeah. ugly like i grew up in basingstoke and basingstoke was when i think about what basingstoke used to look like when i was growing up it was everything was gray everything was square or rectangular everything was straight down it had no character it was built cheaply i suppose you know? there was this need to rebuild quickly but that because but because because so many resources had been wiped out and so much money had been put into the actual war effort, yeah, it has to be quick and cheap. So and that's and, the way you do it. And and I think post punk, it kind of sounds how I remember Britain looking then, mm. like not in my village, but if if, if I went to a town or if I went with my dad took me to London, like they, those places just look like that mm. and. I mean, this is, again, this is a slight detour, but it's quite funny how they ripped all that down in mm. the, the late 90s, early 2000s, and they changed it into, you know, a big mall now, and they made everything out of shiny kind of yeah. multicoloured plastic. Yeah. And now with the kind of the destruction of the high street, that has all faded. And that's yeah. got this, now it's got this really kind of horrible, if you look at like old YouTube footage of, I don't know, Pop Idol or something, everything has got this certain grainy yeah it's got this kind of shiny it's got a kind of grainy shine to it and that's what Basingstoke looks like now it's very very odd and I think um you know that you kind of musically it used to feel like you would reflect and I think the internet's changed a hell of a lot of things but the world that you grew up in and the the sort of the surroundings around you would shape how you sounded. It did to Birmingham. It did to Aston, um, Aston Villa. It did to, in, in, in Aston and, and in Birmingham. It shaped how Black Sabbath sounded. And I think the generation of Pill and Joy Division and Susie and the Banshees and uh, Echo and the Bunnymen and particularly more than anyone, quintessentially, I think, Killing Joke really do sound like modern brit the, the what modern britain sounded like in the past mm-hmm. if you know what yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah. Make yeah, any yeah. sense like the the past's idea of the future of britain yes yes yeah and i can see that there and to me what, what like so when i put this record on that jumped out at me and i i did honestly go i mean like, this is 2005 and i heard it and i put it on and i was just like and honestly it didn't remind me of anything musically particularly it reminded me of the bus station at Basingstoke right. in, in 1984 when my mum used to take me to it. That is honestly what it reminded me of. I was like, <clears throat> this sounds like, and all of these things that I'd heard when I was a kid on top of Pops, all of these bands, you know, Bauhaus or you would see Sisters of Mercy on top of the Pops and go, oh, I don't know what that is mm. when I was a kid and you wouldn't mm. really know what it was, but those sort of things and the, the cure or whatever. And it just stuck, it just sort of stuck in your head, those sort of images. And it was, and I'd never really listened to any of those bands sort of properly. Like I, I did, I, I did, I, I did like The Cure to be fair. Mm. I actually did like The Cure when I was growing up. And I, I would, at this point I would have had, you know, four or five Cure albums and I was, I was into, the, I did like The Cure. But even not listening to it, that stuff would have gone into your head by osmosis almost. Definitely. Yeah. And would have planted seeds, which may have sprung. And I think The Cure, yeah. And The Cure are much more, um, fantastical and a bit more expressive and i think you know it's particularly when when it get to this point when but you know they've had friday i'm in love people yeah. knew all that and you know like i had the self-titled one and it was, it was you know it's a different type of darkness whereas killing joke to me 
on this record sounded like total boredom. It's bleaker, isn't it? Bleak. Killing joke. You know, alienation. And all of the parts individually, I I think, are so fucking great. I mean, you've Mm. got this incredible rhythm section with, um, obviously, Youth, his Mm. bass lines, which, again, I thought were very clash esque mm-hmm. very kind I can of see that. Jones-esque. Um and they, you know, this kind of these dubby bass lines and then, you know, you've got Paul Ferguson on drums and the drum sound on it is stuck. Yeah. I always listen to this and I'm like, it's like someone's playing the drums in in the room with me. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a drum kit that's been mic'd up and has been produced. And actually, if you read about it, they said we want it to be as bare sounding as possible. Yeah. And yeah. There's, there's, mm. there's almost like, I mean, if you um, if you listen to the the way that, um, uh, I, I don't really, I've never known you say this, dollar sign 036, the way that, speeds up and slows down like there's, obviously there's no there's no click track there's nope. no metro there's nothing kind of you know there's no computer to fix that to like it, it's not rhythmically it, it's actually it's kind of out of time you can hear bits of it where youth speeds up and the drums yeah. sort of slope to kind of mix, and you can feel you can go that that, there, that would be stamped out now. That would never. There, there sort are of a fly. number of producers. I don't think all producers would, but there are a number of producers who would now see it as their job to quote unquote correct that now. Yeah, uh, and you can, and it's not you know it's not subtle either. I mean, it's completely just like the pace changes and then goes back. Yeah. You're like, that's not meant to happen. That's a fuck up. Like that is a, and it, but it gives it so much more character yes. and you can feel like you can see his fingers doing that. Yep. You can feel the drums in the room with you and that, you know, those drums are really, they're spacious, but they sound tight and they sound like, like I say, they just sound, they're, they're sparse. It's absolutely sparse. Um, and then you've got um, Geordie Walker on guitar, who I think has got one of the most unique guitar styles in rock music he's one of the the most unique guitar players in music full stop i think like genuinely what what amazes me when you talk about the sort of their influence on metallica or their Mm. influence on you know fear factory or a band Mm. like that right is that how tight and when you think about what punk rock is when you think about like you know sex pistols and um you know, power chords or the Ramones, like how they, you know, these type. What, what, what do you think of when you think of like rock guitar playing? You think of really well, strong wrists. James Hetfield's right yeah, hand. Yeah, like that right hand. Yeah. Absolutely like power <clears throat> wrist. This power. I mean, Geordie Walker plays the guitar it's very like loose. he's playing an oboe. Yeah. He plays it like yeah. he's playing a violin. You watch him on stage and he's got this lackadaisical, you know, he is not playing the guitar in the same way as he's like a rock guitarist. At all. He's like just kind of strumming various, like caressing the strings. And yet the sound of it is so fucking heavy. And then on top of that, and this was when I was, you've got Jazz Coleman, who I'd read all this stuff about Jazz Coleman and what a fucking nut job he was and how he was like incredibly, like super insanely intelligent person who thought, (laughs) who broke the band up because you know he thought the world was going to end so he went to go and live in Iceland who was writing like symphonies with the I think it's a Melbourne symphonic orchestra he's writing like you know became a kind of conductor in a symphony um, 
like writing classical music and stuff you know who was had all these mad conspiracy conspiracy theories and then you've this is sort of the first time i actually get to hear his voice mm. and you know music to dance to music to move this is music to march to when he says that on war dance i was like i am sold i'm so sold like it was like it's like the oral equivalent of george orwell's 1984 this record i, I was actually i was gonna bring up a 1984 yeah um, there's a kind of, um, that's a sort of very British sort of cynicism almost to mm. like, you could even, I mean, you could argue it with, um, Terry Gilliam's Brazil as well, um, which was actually called 1984 and a half when they were, when they were filming it. But like, there's just this sort of sense of looking into Britain's future and seeing nothing but sort of red tape and oppression and darkness really. Mm. I mean, looking at the album cover for this album, it's just so stark and bleak. Do you know where that, that photo is from as well? I don't. It's Bloody Sunday. Is it? Mm. Right. Ah, okay. Mm. Wow, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I just, you know, I, I, it, it, it's one of the most just immediate, like, holy fuck, like, listening experiences I've had in post my teens listen mm. to this record for the first time and the fact that it was 25 years old you know I, I got it when i was 25 it came out six months after i was born this record and i was listening to it like oh my god mm. like this is insane mm. um it just the the whole sound of it, it sounded oddly familiar but completely alien at the same time you know i'd heard post-punk and i was aware of what post-punk was but this to me you know i i think lyric the jazz commons lyrics mm -hmm. are just fucking brilliant um it it, it, it the, the, as i said you know the performances that individually the performances are all completely kind of shouldn't work together stark drums dub bass really lacks weird guitar playing uh, and a mad stream of consciousness over the top of it mm, mm. shouldn't work no like yeah. it should not work not on but, paper no not on paper but it's but an explosive combination it's an unbelievable combination and, and I, I just think you know this is this is one of the great achievements in sort of sound creation i think and it's weird because i know you're going to go ah the production's not great uh, I wasn't about to. Um, oh, no, no, but I, I know you probably go, oh, I do struggle with the production. Well, I do. Uh, I, I do, I do. But that's not, that's, um, that's nothing to do with the band. That's to do mm. with the era, I think. Um, and um, there are very few records from 1980 that I would cite as records that I think have good production. Do you not think that, it adds to the overall because I, I wouldn't you know I've I've got the remaster of it and I presumably mm. when you listen to it you listen to the remaster of it because that's all I it, assume the version I listened to was remastered yeah yeah because yeah, that's um but again I, I I don't think they've done that much with the remaster doesn't sound like they've done all that much no, no I mean no. they obviously didn't do much in the first place but I'm definitely being persuaded by your argument of the starkness of it and of it being that way purposefully rather I, than i really think it is a, yeah i think it's got to be uh, uh because you know they don't always sound like that killing joke as mm. they go you know even 
four or five years down the line mm. they don't sound like that at all you know there there are albums coming that were far more melodic and far more filled out um in terms of you know what the the, the, the kind of the, the depth and breadth and you know the kind of clarity of the sound in it i just think that you know i like the production on uh static age by the misfits mm-hmm. i like the production on this i like the production on rock for light by bad brains mm. like i actually think that some things are meant to sound a certain way and it's not about good to me it's not about good or bad mm. it's about what that represents and I don't think that a remaster, you know, if you got this and remastered it and pro tooled it up and turned it into a sort of shiny, beautiful, cinematic sounding um, rock record, I just don't think it would be as good. I, I do agree with you, actually. And I, I don't think you would have been. I think even if anyone had wanted to do that, I don't think you would have been able to for, mm. for reasons like you're talking about with that um, $0.036 song where the tempo's uh, loose, let's yeah. say. Um, it definitely adds something to it and there is something really there's something that draws me in with this record which is to do with the starkness of it and I do acknowledge that the production plays a part in that but I don't sort of enjoy it's not pleasant to listen to for me I mean not that it's meant to be pleasant but it doesn't um, if I see these songs live I think they're fucking great. War Dance live is fucking awesome. Mm. Um, you know, uh, co- uh, is it Complications? Complications? Yeah. You know, I've seen Complication live and like... The, they I, would play Requiem. Yeah, Requiem, The Way. The way yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I was avoiding those two. So Requiem and The Way, I kind of knew beforehand because of the Foo Fighters and Metallica cover. What do you think of the Foo... Oh, actually, no. We're not going to talk... But I can't say that, can I? Well, no. No, no, don't, 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 okay. don't, don't. Well, we could talk about Metallica cover. We can talk about the Metallica cover, yeah. Can't talk about the Foo Fighters one. For a good reason. Yeah, um, one day. Well, I I love it, but um, it's the version I heard first. Mm. And... Uh, the Metallica. The Metallica cover. version, yeah. And... Okay. Um, well, me too. I yeah. heard the Metallica version first. And going back to the Killing Joke one, I obviously don't... I don't think it's bad but it is it is the the production it's the fact that it's weedy sounding compared to the metallica version it's funny this because i always quite liked the metallica version it was on school of rock um yeah. turned it up in school of rock hmm. at one point and i listened to the metallica version was like oh that's a good song yeah and that was another thing that made me go oh yeah killing joke i should listen to that band and then I put this on, and now I can't listen to the Metallica version. Really? I think the Killing Joke version is way, way better. Yeah, interesting. I, it, it, uh, oh, I don't know. I, 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 I think it's just naturally, it naturally hits more of my buttons, the Metallica version. And obviously it's 
produced in a way that is feels so more modern just, and it just sounds like a metal song like when the I, like, you know what i mean yeah I just like there's nothing the, but that's the, metallica taking it and making it their, yeah, that's their fine. thing isn't that's, it that's fine yeah and and they do and they have every right because to that's that, the they thing should do that that's the thing the version of the way the, the, it doesn't sound like a metal song on uh killing joke no at all no um, uh, but it what, does. Uh, they are not a metal band. No, they're not. Nothing on this has got anything to do with heavy metal or no. metal at all, I don't think. No. And that's why it's so, you know, incredible that so many metal bands cite them. I mean, it's barely a rock band. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're not, mm. a, they're not a rock band. I mean, you're talking about, you know, you're saying Tool and Soundgarden. Like, I see it. But yeah. they're not a rock band in the same way as Soundgarden or a rock band. Yeah. They're not a metal band at all. Certainly not in the same vein as Metallica. Definitely not. Um, but I think the weight on this is creepy and weird and mm. just discordant and horrible sounding and just uh, kind of nightmarish. And there's nothing nightmarish about the Metallica one. It just sounds like a pretty kind of bog standard, like thrashy song. And it's all right. But I don't, I, I I would never put, you know, like it, it was never one of my favourites anyway. I listened to right. it and I was like, oh yeah, this is quite good. I should probably listen to Killing Joke and whatever. But it wasn't like, what's funny is, you know, you listen to their cover of Whiskey in a Jar and you're like, oh yeah, this is cool. Like as much as I love the, you know, various versions of particularly the Thin Lizzy one, you listen to their Whiskey in a Jar and you go, oh yeah, it's a really beefed up, hard rocking yeah. Whiskey in a Jar. Great. It works very well. Works really well. I don't think the weight, the weight actually on the for me the killing joke version of the weight is far creepier and far more unique and far more effective being what it is on this record than it is just like you know oh it's a it, you what Metallica you've turned it into a fairly average sounding metal song like the mm. riff sounds really you know it's a good riff but it just sounds like a sort of not great Metallica song. I think this is where this is where the conversation of heaviness that we talk about comes in quite a lot because mm. um some people would say the Metallica version of um the weight is heavier than the Killing Joke version and from a sonic perspective they'd be right. Yep. Um but <laughs> definitely mm-hmm. I agree with you in terms of that, you know, um sort of disturbing nature with the weight i mean all the things that you just said about it i don't disagree with any of them but in a way it's kind of like yeah that's why i prefer the metallica version because it's friendlier and and the the killing joke version is more effective and i suppose it has more of an effect on me but it kind of makes me go give me the metallica but but that's really powerful and I, i think that's maybe part of what makes me really intrigued about this record because i think any record that can have those strong feeling can give you those strong mm. feelings and strong emotions is a powerful and well written or well executed record and i just yeah i think you're right and and, and, and this is an odd record it's still something it is it's odd. odd like what odd record and even when you start with you know requiem into war dance yeah is two basically you know they're bangers like you know they probably they may sound more bangery live in yeah. 2000 and 19 or whatever uh than they do on this record here but the fact that they go from then and then they go into like t- very very briefly though <clears throat> but even requiem has um one note played over and over and over and over and over again on i'm assuming a synth yeah. um yeah 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 which on this version 
really unnerves me. You're right, it is a banger. But even in their bangers, they put stuff in which is really unnerving and weird. And I'm not saying that as a criticism necessarily. That's I'm pretty certain that's what they're going for. But yeah. it's it makes it sort. It's a odd. Do, yeah, when that yeah. first came in. I was because first you go like, "What is this?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you hear this like, and that does that. And that doesn't really sit. Well. And then a bass comes in, and then you get it's really like. Death, giant. well, actually, before that, obviously, you get Jazz Coleman going, "Man, watching video." Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It sounds it's, like it sounds like the microphone's the other side of the room, and he's shouting towards it yeah. as well for it, a lot of this like, record. None of that adds up, but yet you consider that to be yeah, a banger. Yeah. But then you get and you get War Dance. But then, to, like Tomorrow's World, like is the yeah. third track in, and it's just creepy and mm-hmm. stalky, and it sounds like you're in. Uh, shit, rainy, cold, nasty city in an alleyway at midnight, and it's pitch black, and you feel like someone is behind you. That's what that song sounds like. Yep. And the whole thing is like a kind of modern Jack the Ripper story. Like it, it, it's a really scary. It's I, I think it's a genuinely unnerving, quite frightening record. Yeah, I but agree. it's really and it's yeah, it's really catchy, and it's it's just it doesn't none of it sounds normal, none of it sounds human, um, but yeah, you can feel, but you and you can you just feel like it's in the room with you all the time. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. drums are like they're being played in the room with you, uh, and the, no amount of studio trickery can replicate that and replicate that mm-hmm. and yep. in terms of you know repping for the production which i am going to do because i i definitely wouldn't change the production on this record i think it sounds fucking brilliant i think you're right as well like you're going to see them live and war dance and requiem and the weight and the, the big big songs from from this record they do sound massive live they sound now. huge now yeah and jazz coleman's voice has gone through you know various stages mm. um <clears throat> throughout killing jokes career and this is my favorite sort of jazz coleman style vocal is it mm, okay. i think when you go to particularly the one before um absolute descent came out which i think you know like this is my i think this is my favorite killing joke record although i have to say absolute descent is a fucking brilliant record there are a bunch of great records in killing you you i think i said it before you don't need killing jokes entire back catalog mm. you might want it mm. um i want it mm. <laughs> but uh, you don't need it there are a few that you probably there are a few you probably need i'd say the other self-titled one is definitely worth having there's a couple from the sort of mid 90s period there's a couple kind of two three down the line what's this for the follow-up to this one is really good as well absolute uh, descent is i think the before one. i think before you said you don't need all of it but you do need about eight or nine of them yeah um, uh, yeah out certainly of 15 yeah 16 yeah, 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 like yeah, that. yeah i mean you know i there's a few that i like i really like fire dances which is i don't think is considered you know a, a great one um i've I think, not heard of it so i imagine yeah. it isn't um what's this for the follow-up to this i think it's really good as well mm-hmm. um but uh but absolute descent is the closest thing to this that they've done not in terms of the sound of it but in terms mm. of how 
much I love it and how good it oh, is. Oh, right, right, right. I was going to say, because yeah. I, 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 Absolute Descent almost sounds like a different band. Oh, a completely different band. <laughs> yeah. But you do get a bit of the old Jazz Coleman on that because I think yeah. like, Hosanna from the Basements of Hell uh, is not one that I'm mad keen on mm. because you get a really like... Uh, and I was like, oh, Jazz Coleman's voice is completely, completely gone. And I miss the sort of being able to actually hear exactly what you're saying Hosanna from the Basement of Hell was a really heavy record really mm. heavy mm. Um, and it lacked a bit of nuance because of that I thought it lacked a bit of um, what I like about this album which is the creepiness mm. um, but they kind of brought that back for you know songs like The Raven King and Ghost of Labyrinth Grove yeah. on, um, on Absolute Descent was there again but overall I think this is the best one it's fucking brilliant. Fair. It's I think a great record. I, 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 it's interesting sitting here listening to you talk about it because I can't disagree with anything you're saying. So do you not? How do you? How do you feel about this? Like cards on the table. How? How do you actually feel about this record? Um. Uh, it there's something about it which sort of brings me back to it every so often. Uh, because I want to like it, because there's so many elements about Killing Joke that you name and talk about how they're a unique band, how they they don't really sound like anyone else, really, how they're constantly changing and things, which in there's so many other bands that I would talk about on this show that I would say that about as complementary qualities. Yeah. And almost everything that's said about Killing Joke, I do feel this weird sort of... Um, this this weird thing where I, I i know that i should be responding to this in a positive way uh because i respond to those same elements in a positive way with other bands um like realist i really want i really basically i really want to love this album and every time i put it on i never do um and i always just assume it's down to the production there was one other thing which i noticed this time around which mm-hmm. i they each song they once they've settled on what they're doing it's very very repetitive hypnotic hypnotically so hypnotic repetitive but that is down to again that's dub you know the base yeah. the base of of youth is um you know i think if you read any kind of interview with him then he's um obviously massively massively was hugely into kind of um dub and reggae and that's that's that practice i think yeah you could argue i mean do you know what it reminded me so it it was the first time i'd listened to it yesterday since that waste of space orchestra album came out Mm. and it reminded me of that in a lot of ways and Mm. it's a frustrating thing um so many things that i'd see as positives of the waste of space orchestra album i would also chuck at this at this but but almost see as negatives which is a weird thing and irritating because I'm not sitting here going, this is a bad album. It so clearly isn't. It so clearly isn't. It just, there are things in it that kind of um, bug me. But then at the same time, I acknowledge that, you know, if the production wasn't that start 1980s production, it wouldn't be serving the songs in the manner that it is. Mm. Even though that production style, I don't like it. I acknowledge that there isn't a better way to do this record. So it's this weird thing where I kind of really, really admire it and really admire Killing Joke. But I rarely 
Well, I say I'd rarely listen to it. I probably go back to this record once every couple of years. Do you? Mm-hmm. Like, probably since I bought Carriage Days, which would have been around 99, 2000. Oh, so you heard this before me, probably. Um, oh, I don't know, maybe. Because I bought the reissue in 2005. That's the first oh, time right, I heard Oh, right, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. And, and the first time I heard them. It would have been early 2000s, certainly, that I heard oh, this record. Yeah. And, and, and... Yeah, it's 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 an annoying um it's an annoying hypocrisy in my in my uh sort of tastes and uh you know especially as a critic when you're sort of asking people to take your opinion on board it's really annoying when you have hypocrisies mm-hmm. because um, but which is you know but I, I but I can't deny it it's it's a record that I would rarely put on and get pleasure out of Well, are you meant to though? but then yeah, you do though you clearly uh, well, do I, yeah I, I get you know i mean it's it's not necessarily pleasure it's Maybe certainly pleasure. like i do remember hypnotic is the is the best word for it mm. you know i put it on and i was like i don't really know what this is i thought they were a metal band i thought they were a punk band mm. they're not either that it kind of my, joke, my reference point for it for, for post-punk was the cure or echo and the bunny men and I was like, well, it doesn't sound like this. One thing I will say super quickly, I've, I've never really made that, I don't know how, but I've never really made that connection between Killing Joke and The Cure and Echo and the Bunnymen before. Um, well, it's because they're so... It, it's because, you know, as influential as The Cure are to a lot of rock and metal bands, you don't really see them um, surrounding themselves with, with those sort of bands that much. Yeah. I, mean, I know they had bloody they did that meltdown festival and then got deftones and Alcest yeah. and night snails and all that stuff but you don't necessarily think of the cure feel like they're sort of for everyone i feel like because killing joke have been so massively influential for they are the, they are certainly darker and heavier definitely than, and more intense than the majority of of those bands yeah but not joy i mean maybe not joy division no maybe but not joy division uh, you know uh the kind of the 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 hipsters' choice, I guess, aren't they? They're the yeah. kind of they're 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 cooler. They're a sort of iconic band, and and Killing Joke do look and feel more like. Well, they're misfits, aren't they? Yeah, they're certainly more misfitty than um, than uh, Joy Division. I mean, I'm not saying Joy Division aren't misfits, but mm. if you if you just looked at two pictures of them, yeah. when, who who are the bigger misfits? You would go. Yeah, Killing I mean, Joke. you look at. You, sort of Bernard Sumner and, and Peter Hook in their, yeah. their cardigans and yeah, stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And even though Ian Curtis obviously a very troubled gentleman, um, uh, you look at Jazz Coleman, Jazz Coleman is a fucking yeah. weird, they're, they're weird guys. Yeah. You know, they're a mad uh, thing. And we should also say, you know, I went to see them last year their 40th anniversary show mm. playing this at the Roundhouse at the Roundhouse they were excellent as they mm. always are and that is the original lineup the lineup that made this record are still mm. playing together yeah and um, that's, that's amazing cool yeah that's amazing I mean obviously they've been through a lot of lineup changes over the years but they've come back together and to do a 40th anniversary show with the original lineup and that's you know another killing joke that will come forward hardly ever happens very very rare so anyway I tip my bloody hat to Killing Joke, a fucking great band, one I of do, my favourite. Uh, and to be clear, I do as well. I yeah. absolutely tip my hat to them. Um, and uh, yeah, I look forward to like finding more Killing Joke stuff that I actually really 
really super dig. Oh, mate, I should make you a playlist. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, maybe I will. All right, cool. Anyway, um, thank you so much for subscribing and becoming a riot a, a rioteer. Uh, sure. Well, just being a patron for the, for, the, for the podcast. We really appreciate your contribution. Unless you haven't. Unless you haven't. Then In which we don't. case, screw you. Then we don't. At all. But we hope you enjoyed the podcast all the same. Yeah. It's nice to enjoy things. We're just, just nice people, aren't we? <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll see you soon. Thank you, Max, for your suggestion. <laughs> don't expect to have one picked for a very long time. <laughs>